until the day you die. This thing they call love is gonna make you cry. I hate you. I've had the blues, the reds, and the pinks. One thing for sure. Love stinks? Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Love stinks! Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Love stinks? Love stinks! Yeah, yeah! Hey everybody, welcome to the uh, post-draft reporting as eligible. Uh, it should be real fun. <laughs> um, uh, this, I'm Paul Noonan, I write for Acme Packing Company. Um, if you missed me on the live coverage, you missed quite the show. I'm, I'm told anyway. Um, it's a little fuzzy. Um, we have the, the the full crew as per usual this week. Um, in his cozy Wauwatosa home, we have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I guess I'm just a reporter because uh, there aren't many trending sports or sports <laughs> at all. This, uh, this draft was a rare window into reality, of, well, my reality. So uh, I was uh, not as drunk as Paul on draft night, nor as uh, as distraught by the draft class. But, uh, but we'll, we'll learn more. We'll find out. That's good. We need some, some levity, some non-depression. Anyway, um, and uh, <laughs> our third, as per usual... I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, rel- r- meme Smith, I guess, for Acme Packing Company. General Twitter rabble rouser. I said it. I said it correctly. <laughs> nice work. Had you been struggling on that? Yeah, you, yeah. I always struggle to say rabble rouser. Yeah. You, you know this. Uh, it, re- one thing, real quick, before we get into the actual draft itself. Um, you know, this is part of the Milwaukee's Tailgate Network with the the baseball podcast. Um, we are taking all of our Patreon earnings from the first part of the year here and matching all donations to the Milwaukee Hunger Task Force. Um, all you got to do is shoot Ryan or myself or any of the other people on that one um, a, a receipt of your donation, and we will make one that matches it until we run out of our 500 bucks. So um, just uh, we've done very well so far. If you got anything to give, t- I know times are tough for everybody. That's part of the reason we're doing this. If, if you don't have anything to give, also fine. But uh, if you can spare a little bit, we're happy to, to match it. So um, thanks to everybody so far. Good. Let's move into the draft and more more uh, interesting, um, uh, angry. Interesting. I would I would rather talk about global pandemics and uh, charity work than talk about <laughs> that draft. It was it was much worse than I. So I always kind of have a worst case scenario going in. Like I have, I have guys I don't like. I I have you know trade up potentials. I think my worst case scenario for this was they took Chenault at thirty, who is a receiver. By the end mm-hmm. of the draft, I was like. I really wish they had taken Chenault at thirty. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> uh, just, just a so, debacle. Two, two receivers I liked went thirty-three and thirty-four. So that was that Higgins and uh, uh, Pittman? Uh, Pittman. Yeah, yeah. I really liked Pittman. Um, uh, His Holiness Brett Coleman said on uh, a mock draft on YouTube that the Packers should take Pittman, and well, uh, just, oh, go ahead. So people like who don't follow like the the what, how people measure Pittman's a big dude he's like one he's one of the, huge one of the few like huge receivers in the draft you got your Debo Samuel types who are like small trucks and you got your speedsters and you got your kind of tall lanky normal guys for what the Packers seem to be focusing on he, he seems perfect like all the things, all they've gotten right now is 64 giant monsters yeah he's he's but he's also um fairly fast yeah, he is. He's a, like, like he's like every like, receiver in this draft. He's also a good athlete. Yes. So for being a freakish six four two thirty whatever 
he's yeah. also fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really liked Pittman. Um, but uh, it's just, <laughs> <sighs> I'm I just. So uh, I guess I can I can kick things off with let's talk about why the draft is bad um, at, at a high level because so I have a piece coming out in Acme Packing Company tomorrow that details why the draft was bad um, but we can do a little preview of it right now because there's all, all kinds of things you shouldn't do when you're drafting football players and the Packers did all of them so um, this is also just a good explanation of why you shouldn't do those things now, um, the worst one and obvious one that everybody knows from listening to me and this podcast is don't draft a running back high. <laughs> just just don't do it. It's it's a bad idea. Um, it 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 does work out sometimes. You get you get good running backs when you draft them high, but you also get them when you draft them low, like Aaron Jones in the fifth round. And picking AJ Dillon with that pick um, is is a, just a ridiculous waste of resources. Um, PFF uh, did a a nice job compiling an aggregate of mock drafts before the draft went off. And uh, they wrote, like, uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, I think, wrote an article on 538 about it when Dave Gettleman made the Giants' first pick, that he broke the model, because no mock drafts had the Giants making that selection at fourth overall, zero of them. Uh, so they had a 0% chance he would go. Um, A.J. Dillon, by almost all mocks, wasn't going until the fourth, and in a lot of them in the fifth and sixth. You did not have to take him in the second. So... I've seen a lot of criticism of the, or I've seen a lot of support grow of the Packers draft over the last couple of days by by homers, by people who just want to believe all fine, uh, who say things like, "Well, you got to watch how these guys play in the future before you really make a decision on how the draft was." Except, you could have had this guy and another second round player by just picking him two two or three rounds later, and that's why it's bad. Um, and same thing goes for uh, Josiah Deguara, who. Is a fullback, and I just I, I I feel like I do have to tell people don't take a running back in the second round. I feel like I shouldn't have to tell people don't take a fullback in the third round. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's like four teams that use fullbacks, or he's an H back fullback, whatever. It's not a popular player type. By all accounts, he would have easily been available in the fifth or sixth, and if you miss out on him. Well, okay. Who cares? <laughs> so I, I do, I do need to jump in on Josiah. Everyone comparing him to Kyle Uzcheck, you know, like he's he's going to be he's going to be Lafleur's Uzcheck. He's he's going to be the next Shanahan. Blah, yep. blah blah. Like he he's a he's a, a H back. He can he can play tight end. He can split he out can wide. Block. It's like, hey man, you know who can split out wide? A wide, wide receiver. receiver. <laughs> <laughs> And the 49ers have really colored this draft for a lot of people now who, who are looking at um, LaFleur and be like, oh, he's trying to build the Shanahan team. Well, okay, maybe he's trying to build the Shanahan team, but by all evidence, he's kind of bad at it. Um, <laughs> for, for one thing, the the main reason the 49ers work on offense is Kittle. And sure. If, if you'll. No, they didn't pick a Kittle here. If you want to think Sternberger can turn into that, fine. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, but like they picked all the parts that are, aren't important uh, of the 49ers. Like the 49ers didn't spend a bunch <laughs> on draft picks. They traded a, they, or on running backs. They traded a running back away. They, they traded Matt Breida to the Dolphins for a fifth round pick. They they ha- used Mustard who they got off the UDFA pile last year. Um, they drafted Debo Samuel in the second round last year. They drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round this year. That. The 49ers don't work unless they have good wide receivers out there who are versatile. So this is ah, that that explanation kind of works, except it, it it's almost an indictment of Lafleur as well. If you go that route, it's it's very bad. Just, just would you would you rather have 
AJ Dillon and Kamal Martin, or would you rather have uh, Pittman and Raheem Moistert? Or, or sorry, no, they traded Brita. Matt Brita, Brita. Yeah. Would you Would you rather have Brita and Pittman? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like Ninety nine and a half times out of a hundred, yeah, I would take that. Matt Brita is good. Um, they traded a good running back away because they have so many, and you can just find them anywhere. Um, so all all that's bad, and we we can talk about Jordan Love a bit too. This. I was mad when they did this because I uh, Jordan Love last season was awful. Um, he was a very bad quarterback in 2019. He was not a bad quarterback in 2018. He had a, he had a good 2018 season. He ranked very highly in QBOPS. Um, he's a little low on completion percentage even in his good season for me to take him that seriously as a prospect. And he played in a garbage conference. And that can work go that can go two ways. Like you have worse supporting cast around you, but you also face worse defenses. And I feel like a, an NFL caliber like star quarterback should tear up the mountain west or whatever stupid conference he played in um <laughs> so i don't think he's a good prospect but i will say that it's not a total crime to to trade up to get a quarterback because they are franchise altering players now since this draft was a debacle they did still screw up because um rogers is immovable for two years his giant huge contract um will be impacting the packer salary cap for at least two years and it's fine, Aaron Rodgers. And even in the even in the third year, yeah, he still uh, hurts it's it. like it's like eighteen million in dead money or something like that. Yeah, it's it's palatable but not great. So, but before we move on from Jordan Love being yeah. awful in twenty nineteen, oh, yeah, sure. one thing I do, I, one thing I do want to point out between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, Utah State lost four All Conference offensive linemen. There's good excuses here. They lost their starting tight end, their starting running back, and. Uh, the wide receivers that they lost was 75% of their offense. And their coach became? Oh, yeah. They got a new they got a new offensive coordinator. Or... Oh, man. Head coach became Gary Anderson. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. So, so to be fair, the, the deck was stacked against. I, I, I mean, I'm at the bargaining stage. Of so you're three. saying, though, that Jordan Love has experience playing with teams that don't have any good wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's very adept at that. Although he did, throw, there we go. He did throw seventeen yeah. interceptions on that version of the team, so and several balls out of bounds on top of it. But you know, at least he's got that experience. Yeah, and he's got experience throwing balls out of bounds, just like Aaron. So that's good too. Did you, <laughs> did you guys, you guys all on the tweet with the the simulcast of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love done by Alec, Alex Alex uh, I did see it and I put it in my piece tomorrow, as you very well know. Um, uh-huh. Alex Basarowski <laughs> took the. A screenshot, not screenshot, a gif of uh, Rogers next to Love doing a rollout to his left and buying time, where it's like step for step exactly equal and throwing a touchdown pass. It's crazy. It, uh, I yeah. mean, it's kind of a fluke. I wouldn't put too much into it in terms of how they're similar. But well, they were they were both like on the ten yard line, yeah, it was nuts. going against a three man rush, like the and both plays played out exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I will say I talked to I talked to Schaff a little bit today too um, on the subject of Gary Anderson because I was also making. I was like, well, Love might not be that bad. He had, he had this coaching change. And Andy pointed out, well, Gary Anderson is actually not in charge of the offense primarily. And the Badger offense actually isn't that different from when he was in Wisconsin. Um, the guy who was running the offense is actually now the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> so so Andy was like, well, I hope he's bad because that would be awesome. But um, he actually has a good re- – I, I, I forget his name. I should have had it on the notes, but I don't. But he actually has a pretty good reputation as an offensive coach. So if you want to give – Give love the pass. 
um, on the the, the supporting ah. cast. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> on the supporting cast, that's fine. Uh, the coaching, I don't think, was necessarily as big of an impact, especially because he was so bad. Uh, you know, it's one thing if he would have declined to like uh, a ten or twelve interception performance, but if you go and watch his interception tape, he just threw a bunch of terrible picks where he didn't see underneath coverage, where he was telegraphing throws. Um, didn't look like he was reading plays very well. So um, it, it was it was not great tape. Uh, not a fan of that pick. I don't think it'll work out, but at least he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks are valuable. The question I've well, always had with drafts, and I don't think it's ever been really answered in any meaningful way to me, is how much, uh, for lack of a better term, oppositional research goes into it. Because the a couple things that you brought up that, that are fascinating to me. That, well, one that you didn't bring up, but I think everybody's keyed in on is why did you trade up to get a quarterback? By our, you know, by, by most accounts, certainly would have been there if the teams that were slated to pick in those spots were going to stay there. That's true. They definitely weren't going to take him. But, but you know, you also have to consider, since maybe Miami was just anxious to move the pick and maybe it's a team that wanted a quarterback that moves into that spot. So I, I I can live with the concept that that's what the Packers were thinking, but then, but then you talk about AJ Dillon being like a fourth round pick. Well, how much? Obviously, we're told and led to believe GMs do not care about mock drafts. They do not care about the quote unquote consensus of where guys are going to go. But I feel like they have to. They have to care to some degree because they have to be able to say, "I don't," you know. I can't name for you a team that I think is going to take AJ Dillon in round two, three, or four, and therefore you should wait. I mean, maybe they had some level of research or intel that told them somebody else is going to get them, and I can live with that. If those were truly their guys, I can I can live with that. But it does look weird on paper, and I just would love to know: Do they have any idea what other teams are going to do? Do they have any intel at all? Because if they don't, it just feels so weird that they would just go two rounds earlier than anybody else is expecting. I mean, that Josiah guy, you can, I love those videos where it shows family reacting, but like you can tell in that video, they did not expect that no, cat to not. get taken in the third round. <laughs> they, like that blew that family away. They weren't even all in the same room. Yeah, They were not prepped for it. They clearly didn't expect it either. That was uh, actually a, a great, uh, a great thing that happened with the draft being remote like that, and every all the players with their families. It was cool. That one was cool because he was that was way higher than he expected to go. They clearly were like all getting drinks, and you know, oh, we got some time. Don't worry about it. Um, but no. Um, so everybody does opposition research, but you know, there's no way you can know what's actually going on inside of other um, other GMs' houses, and it's it is it is a tricky thing to do i actually think that they lie when they say they don't, they don't look at mocks and they definitely conduct a whole bunch of their own just for their own research purposes as well um and smart teams definitely consider when people are likely to go and this is all risk analysis i think the really good teams when they do this understand uh they don't get focused on and locked onto single players too much right. and especially at positions like running back like yeah you have guys you love but most teams understand there's there's other guys like this or that can do similar jobs. Quarterbacks a different thing. Like there's not that many quarterbacks who can actually play. If you if you do think you got one there, I understand going to get them. So I do get that. And, and trading up, I don't like. But if you're going to do it, quarterbacks the place to do it. But going going high for a running back, it, there's just going to be so many running backs that are good that come out of the class. It, it it's just how it is. And not having like a tiered system there of guys that you might want to get. It is very backward. It's very much like a, the the back half of the league way of thinking. Uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast. There's a good athletic article that was um, focusing on the Bears 
front office uh, around the David Montgomery pick when they took a running back high, not as high as this, by the way. Um, and they, it was a, a good investigative piece on the backwardness. I forget who wrote it. I'll put it in the show notes. I always forget. Uh, but it, it was like they focused on their guy. They'd gone through scenarios of how they might have to trade up to get their guy. And in that draft, David Montgomery's just a guy and kind of a bad one. Um, they could have gotten an, a, an equal or better player later just by sitting on their picks and not trading up. Um, so everybody does the research. It, this feels like the Packers were really focused on filling a few specific roles. Um, I feel like Lafleur's influence is all over this. This is very much like I see a guy that's like Derrick Henry. I see a guy that's like Kyle Dusick. I will pronounce that name correctly at some point. Use check. Use check. All right. Um, and those are the guys I wait, want. Wait, use use check. Use check. Yeah. Um, Kyle. <laughs> that one I got. Thanks. Um, <laughs> But this really seems like they were focused on specific guys and didn't have a good tiered system, didn't have a good value system in place because nobody else are, was, are was going to do that. Now, are we so shocked because of how much of a disconnect this is from all of Ted's drafts for the last 15 years? Certainly, yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Ted never would like, allowed this to happen. Right. But like, so we we got used to the way of Ted Thompson drafting and Ted Thompson was BPA live or die he had his board and he yep. took the number one guy and you knew that he was not drafting for need with the exception of maybe reaching for a DB or two. Um, but this like, so the, the guys on the Acme backing company podcast, were talking about this. There's no signature to this draft. It's nothing like Goot's draft last year. Right. Um, we're assuming it's Matt LaFleur. Maybe it's Mark Murphy. Maybe, maybe it's <laughs> Russ Ball. Like maybe, like maybe Russ, Russ Ball, Ball would never his... draft a running back with a second round pick. That's ridiculous. But i but here's the thing. Like Russ Ball in the back of his head is going like, well, we got these running backs that are going to be expensive to resign. Because like, Russ Ball is a cap robot and only thinks in terms of numbers. I suppose, <laughs> but again Russ Ball knows about running backs too he's had to do all the number crunching on what they're actually worth so he knows that they're out there and plentiful too um it seems like it's Matt it's definitely different from Ted like for sure Ted didn't he did trade up occasionally but not that much much more likely to move back he um they they picked positions that we just don't focus on uh, the entire first round except for quarterback um it's uh off ball linebacker too with Kamal Martin like it it, it's a weird draft for need, but not really for the really important needs. I wish they would have drafted for need. They would have ended up with best player available. Like They need wide receivers, corners, and defensive linemen, and they got off-ball linebackers, fullbacks, and running backs. It's, it, uh, it seems like just a failure of self-scouting, of positional, um, uh, you know, understanding of positional value across the board. Uh, I think still mad do, uh, uh, there is a stat, and... I haven't vetted it, but I'm I'm assuming it's true that Aaron Rodgers has thrown one touchdown pass to a first round draft pick in his career, <laughs> yeah, and it was Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, that's true. That, I mean, I, I, I that's just criminal. Like, I I really want to look at the bright side. I really want to try to find some reason to believe that they do know what they're doing. That this isn't an indication that they want to revert to a style that just doesn't work in the NFL. But like. And I, I'm not mad that they didn't draft a receiver after like the third round because whatever, you know, those guys, <laughs> the guys on the street might be just as good. I don't, I don't understand the running back. If you get there, there's still receivers at that spot that could help this so, team. I don't so understand. I, so they got to sign people. They got to get receivers. I have been, 
I've been bombarded with that take all the last day and a half. Since Talk it... me off the ledge then. Well, okay, so okay. there's a, there's a counter to it with Matt's counter here though. So we'll my counter, I'm ready for all of it. Bring it, bring it on. So for the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay, the Packers have been good, and they have mostly been drafting at the end of the first round. And when they haven't, they've taken a defensive player, like when they took Haha at 21. I think that's where yeah he was. got him. So um, once you leave the top 15, the the uh, value of draft picks drops off significantly. And the difference between picking in the, in the top or the middle of the second round and the picking at the end of the first round isn't terribly different. And Aaron Rodgers, the majority of his passing touchdowns have gone to second, second round sure. picks. Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, I get it. I mean, so you got Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, James rounders. Jones, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. So mm-hmm. he's been given... Like, like, yes, just because they weren't first round picks, they were high second round picks. They were, they were. So there was draft capital spent towards his receivers. Right now. Do I personally think that there should have been other first round receivers? Yes. A hundred percent. But the amount of touchdowns he's thrown to second round receivers is mind blowing. So the counter to that is (laughs) there's only one left and it's Devontae Adams and He's been the one left since Jordy blew out his ACL. I mean, oh, yeah. plus one year. So, um, yeah, they used to give him weapons. They definitely did. And the point of that tweet was always, oh, he's never had any weapons. That's not true. But since um, Nelson left the team, they've had one second-round pick in the receiving core. Uh, I guess Cobb's been lingering around almost dead for a while, too. But... Uh, it, they have not added any weaponry to that. Like, there's not second rounders now. There's UDFAs and fifth round guys and um, Jake Kumaro. Like, that's it's it's bad. And the the point of the point of this is when Rogers was good, he had a bunch of high round picks to throw to, and he's been bad for five years, and he's had a bunch of low round crap to throw to. Um, it, this isn't really rocket science. At some point, you have to give him some talent to actually throw the ball to. There's another good stat out there. Uh, that he lost the most yards from drop passes last year by a healthy amount. Um, the average quarterback last about, lost about 240. He lost about 640 yards to drop passes last year. That's but, the other thing to bring up for that. Do you know how many of those drops were Devontae? Probably a few. He doesn't have great hands. Well, every time the, he throws to MVS, that drop is worth 50, 50 yards. yards yeah. So that all yeah. So, so uh, Devontae had a worse drop percentage than Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, Nelson Aguilar got guys wearing his jersey so that he <laughs> saying yeah, so yeah. I don't so I don't drop anything. <laughs> I'm gonna wear this guy or something like that. I forget what that how that like, worked out, but yeah, so it's, good. Or, no, it's Devontae's good, but he's not a top five receiver as you often see him labeled. He's he's just not. He's got too yeah. many holes in his game for that. I would say Devontae is one of the best route runners in the league. Yep. But that uh, uh, an amazing route runner, a complete receiver, does not make. Mm-hmm. Can you articulate, I feel like we've danced around it, just what what you think the prevailing theory is, what the hell the Packers are doing? <laughs> like, what is their game here? Sure. They're, you know, just just explain what you think is actually going on. Yeah, so they're, they are, I think, trying to emulate the 49ers. Um, Matt LaFleur worked under Kyle Shanahan before. That's the style he emulates. That's what he did in... Um, in Tennessee, in the one year that he was in charge there, uh, then they should have traded for Trent Williams. Just a thought. Do what the 49ers ended up doing. Honestly, that's that would have been a better idea. Uh, so, one of the reasons this was bad is yes, the 49ers are good at power running and power offense generally, and 
you know, if you look at the draft, look, you drafted a big giant power back and a fullback, but the Packers lost Brian Bulaga. He's the charger. And one of the reasons that they were so good, by the way, the Packers were fifth in running last year by DVOA, which is all I count because it's the efficiency stat. Um, They were better than the 49ers actually running the ball last year. Uh, They're likely to get worse because their offensive line's worse. Bulaga's gone, and right now Billy Turner's his replacement or a bunch of sixth-round linemen that they picked up. Um, They'll probably still be fine, but they won't be as good. And adding a fullback and a giant running back is not going to help that. So... Um, I, I do think their end goal is to be like the 49ers, to be a team that uh, runs their base offense out of power personnel and power formations, out of 22 personnel, with guys who can split out wide to punish run-stopping defenses. That's what they want to have happen. Um, but I think they've read all wrong what you need to actually make that happen, which is a very good offensive line, a tight end who can do both things, who can run block and stretch the field, and then good speedy receivers on the out like Debo is perfect for that offense because he's oh also, god yeah he's also an excellent blocker he is a speedster like he, he, one of the worst things about this is like there was a bunch of guys like Debo in this draft that they easily could have picked up and that would have been a smart thing to address the receiving problem and get them to be more like the 49ers there um there was Jalen Ragor who's very much along those lines I didn't like Chenault but that is what he is and um, uh, yeah, who helped me out? Gibson, running back. Anthony uh, Antonio Gibson, who is a running back slash wide receiver, who is very much along the same lines. And in uh, WROPS, was actually the second best receiver in the league this year. <laughs> very small sample size, though. Um, so like, they want to get like the Forty ers They want to be like Shanahan, but so far they're just like the Titans from when um, Lafleur was in charge with a kind of Derrick Henry and um, a quarterback who's likely to get hurt again <laughs> so it's, 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 if, the, if they end up achieving that fine but they don't have the pieces for it right now like, like right now they're just a weird hybrid of Mike McCarthy and and Kyle Shanahan that doesn't really fit together that well let me ask you this too this is another popular prevailing theory that some teams are going to be thinking like the 2020 season might not happen and as much as i want to be optimistic about that hearing like baseball might get started in july with no fans that the nba hasn't ruled out a season i'm still very oh that sounds good uh, i'm still very suspicious that at best I think at best we're going to get a shortened NFL season. I really do believe that's still going to be what what happens. Well, have you seen that there's a, there's a contingency plan for if they have to start in October? Uh, I did not see that, but that makes perfect sense to me, yeah, of course. I mean, so there there's currently a contingency plan. They start in October with no bye weeks and no Pro Bowl, and they can still finish the Super Bowl in February. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of leagues, maybe maybe the Super Bowl is in March. I mean, who cares? Yeah, like under honestly, under the current really. circumstances, nothing matters. But oh. it's still uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just this beer that I just opened that you ever you is all it heard the peanut butter on the can? Yes, it is it is the Denver Beer Company peanut butter graham cracker porter. Okay. That's it tastes like if it if if you made a Reese's cup beer oh without it being too sweet it it, <laughs> all right. it, it oh my i'm i don't know if i, I want like, that or not it is it, so i'm i'm one uh breakfast out in at all this right. point shout out to uh, little breweries because yes, uh, they need help 
it's, support it's local time. businesses. Yeah. Anyway, and, and along those lines, obviously nobody's going to admit, oh, we're not, of course we're not drafting for, you know, 2021 here. Of course not. Because if they said that out loud, NFL fans would panic and, you know, I'm sure the league would come down on that. Like they don't, they don't want to be, t- but, but I'm sure they're behind the scenes. They're considering that scenario. And given that Aaron Rodgers will be a year older, if 2020, even if 2020 is just shortened, yeah. let's say it's, it's shortened. Now we're dealing in such small samples. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just like, if it's a, if it's a 12 game season, anybody can go, you know, can, can get hot for a couple games. So I could see them not really being, they're not really thinking about 2020 as because it's such a wild card and thinking about 2021. If that's the case, do you think that there's a little more justification for what Green Bay is doing or does that not apply here either? I don't think it does. Like quarterback a little bit. Yeah. Especially if you view love as like a developmental project. Um, That's all right then. Like you lose a year just to maybe get them some workouts. Although I don't know how quick you develop if you're not like actually doing game practice and things like that. But I, I think for the rest of the draft, it, it doesn't really matter because um, running backs are among the quickest to play. They don't have to learn that much. They usually step right in. It's, that is a young man's position. Um, same with fullback. Those guys actually will probably be suffer for having a season lost to them. I mean, they won't take the wear and tear, but age still gets you at some point. If you were if you were actually drafting, like, like say you had inside information that they had no chance, they just weren't going to play. They'd already decided they had contingency plans. And you wanted to take guys who like took additional time to develop or um, you, you knew you weren't to replace people who weren't going to be on your team two years from now. I, I, I think you still go a lot of like O-line. Like that's a good time to take another tight end, although this draft is terrible for tight ends. Um, and, and wide receivers. I mean, we've seen a lot of first round wide receiver or uh, rookie wide receivers develop quicker than normal lately. But usually young wide receivers take uh, two years or sometimes three to really come into their own. So I still think you go that route if you think the season's going to be canceled. Um, it, I, 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 I've seen that excuse floated, like, oh, this is just strategy if they, they don't play that. For love, I get it. I, I think that's that's legit. But for the rest of it, n- not really. It seems more like it's immediate, just misguided. Hmm. And then related to love, uh, one point that was made by Tom Silverstein on the on the Green Nineteen podcast, JS Online, uh, JS Online plug there. He, <laughs> that that I actually hadn't thought about, and I probably should have. Is he he he's saying that the Packers want to be in position where they have a credible backup quarterback because Rodgers could get hurt. I mean, the, the odds I like of that this happening. one actually because um, you do have this disease ravaging people out there, and if if your quarterback gets it, he's probably going to miss a couple weeks at least. Um, and given how contagious it is, that's pretty possible. So um, the world is weird. Having a, an important, ba- having a, a decent backup is probably more important than usual. The Packers don't. Tim Boyle's terrible. Um, <laughs> they haven't, haven't had a good backup in a long time. So it does make sense. Since Matt, Matt Flynn, yeah. right? Last good backup. Matt Flynn wasn't even good. Well, maybe maybe the first time. Yeah. 2013, he wasn't say, even good. He just held I would it say as, as a backup, yeah. Matt Flynn was sure, a phenomenal sure, sure, backup. In the world of backups, Flynn is fine. So I think so. The love pick bothers me in retrospect less than a lot of the other picks do. Like, I I, I don't like him process wise. I think process wise, that's that's okay. Drafting quarterback that high is okay. I just don't really like him as a prospect. Um, so I I might be wrong about that because scouting is hard. So that's fine. So just for for frame of reference, because pe- not everyone talks to Paul every day yeah, like I do. Good point. 
Paul has been low on Jordan Love since he started running numbers on the prospects three months ago. <laughs> like the, Jordan Love was his least favorite quarterback prospect this year. Full stop. Like no true. hyperbole, no exaggeration. It was his least favorite. So the fact that Paul isn't here spitting piss and vinegar shows that he is at least in like the fourth or fifth stage of grief. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's like, I still don't think he's going to be good, but at, like at, at so what just just so everybody knows, numbers wise, um, CPOE is the best predictor of um, future success in the NFL. His is bad; it's like three point nine. Tua and Burrow are like fifteen or above. Um, and I run my own, you know, W or QB, QBOPS is basically that. Just it's a dumbed down version that's freely available, and he's just not good in it. He, he especially this last season. Now, two seasons ago is what gives me hope. Um, I I don't think. He, the problem is you shouldn't discount last season. All those changes notwithstanding, um, he should still be excelling at something, and he didn't. But two seasons ago, he was legitimately good. He was um, either the first or second best quarterback in college football. Um, he did that on the strength of a lot of deep passing and a lot of yak from his receivers. That's not always the worst thing in the world, but it can give a bit of a deceptive um, view of a guy's explosiveness. Um, basically this. I look at guys who are over... Um, I, I make it a slugging percentage, but... Um, it's between 600 and 700 slugging. It's like uh, 14 yards per completion or above. Basically, at some point, your receiver's doing a lot of that work. So if you get there, that's great, but you shouldn't get a big boost after that. The problem is he falls short on completion percentage. He's just not that good at it, even at his, his peak. Um, he's like um, 64%. Usually guys who make it to the NFL are comfortably at 68% in college with some good downfield passing behind it. So... Um, there are guys who were around his level that ended up being pretty good. Teddy Bridgewater is almost exactly um, his duplicate. So depending on what you think of Bridgewater in the NFL, you know he's okay at least. He's uh, so uh, uh, he's close-ish to Pat Mahomes, not quite. Wait, to who? To, to Pat. Mm. So he, here's the thing: he he is he is worse, um, but he's <laughs> he's close enough that it's like if you squint, all right, maybe. Um, which, uh, See, this is this is why we need a hot take sounder because because Paul, beer, 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 hot take. Jordan Love is worse than Pat Mahomes, but only a little bit worse. Well, I, I would say if you want, like, if you, I wouldn't put a, a Mahomes comp on him, but they're cl- college numbers. But Pat Mahomes' last season in college football was close enough to Jordan Love's second last season in college football that they were at least in the same ballpark value wise as each other. So, so I, I mean, I hate to sound like the anti-sabermetrics guy. Yep. But have you watched the tape? I have. I've watched the tape. I watched so much Jordan Love tape after they picked him. I didn't watch any before because I was <laughs> like, I, it's like if they draft that guy, that's whoever drafts that guy. Well, they're stupid. So I'm not going to watch tape of that guy. So but now but I've watched think, a lot. I think the Mahomes comp is is fair because. Uh, Love's a okay. I don't. I wouldn't say Love plays as intelligently as Mahomes or anything like that. But this, the 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 uh, je ne sais quoi of his game is very similar. It's he's a gunslinger and he's athletic. He's a gunslinger. He's not as athletic either. That's like Mahomes is off the charts good at that. Um, what? He's not. I think. I, I mean, if we're talking off the charts, you're looking at like Cam Newton or or Lamar Jackson or. Where I think I think Mahomes is, if you were to compare Mahomes to like early Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes is a better athlete. I think Jordan Love is somewhere between those two. That's fair. I'll give you that. I think one aspect of this that I'm struggling with is 
is that Rogers will be here for another two three. years, presumably three, three years, two minimum, almost probably certainly. three. Yeah. Two minimum. So obviously that's a good amount of time for a quarterback to develop, but you yeah. could see them getting a guy in next year's draft and feel just as comfortable about that. And <laughs> if we're being honest, they probably will be drafting a lot higher in the first round, no matter how this draft had gone. And hopefully yeah. that's wrong. You can't plan on that, but the, uh, the move to trade up for him means this is the guy they wanted. Yeah, and I wrote this about year, it. next year, whatever. It feels it feels like that's an awful lot. Well, there are there are conflicting rumors. Um, the Packers claim that uh, the Colts were trying to move up to take love. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And the Colts claim that the Packers are full of shit. They do also. That <laughs> so, is also true. It's all it's all games. Who cares? I mean, so, I, I I do not mind the trade up in a concept. I don't mind it. I just like the commitment to this particular guy is pretty stunning. In, in you include the fact that they yeah. traded up to get him. In the piece, so in, piece are you are you saying are you? That. I was going to say in twenty twenty two. Are you okay with them taking Brian Brom? Uh, I hope they don't draft Brian Brom in 2022. He's, yeah, he's old, old man. now. And he's not. He wasn't good when he was young. <laughs> his his contemporary. Um, Matt, if, if, are you making the point that you don't want to draft a quarterback when you need a quarterback? Yeah. I, see, I disagree with that. I don't think that's that's a good way of looking at this. I, I keep reading that, and I'm like, no, that's wrong. Here's but what, my point is they wouldn't have needed him next year either. Would I? No, 2022 is too late, probably. But 2021 isn't. It's not. I don't think twenty two is either, um, because the 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 sort of late round, late first round quarterbacks they tend to fail more. Usually, your really good guys are actually top five or top one. And uh, if you take you take love this year, you still have Rodgers kind of bolstering the record for a little bit. Um, one of the big advantages you get with a rookie quarterback most of the time, especially if you start him right away, is a bunch of financial flexibility. And true, that's for five. That's it's really for four years because the fifth year option is actually pretty expensive. If you just look at what the Bears have to decide on Trubisky right now, it's like twenty four million bucks for his fifth year option. Um, so <laughs> Which they're not. I mean, they're not going to. Right? They're not like going we can, to. But if you if you if he was actually good and they kept him, that's a, you know it's not cheap. It's not expensive, but it's not cheap. So you've got Jordan Love on five and four cheap years plus a not too bad year. And you're not going to have that financial advantage for two or three of them. Um, if you wait to pick a quarterback, you probably, if Rodgers gets worse, then your pick gets better. Your quarterback probably gets better. And you get additional years of not paying a quarterback a ton of money where you can add parts around him in free agency, like like the Wilson Seahawks did for many years based on his super cheap third-round deal. Um, so... I think you should wait. And if you have a bad year where you have to tank for a good quarterback, it sucks to have a bad year, but it's good if you get another decade of dominance out of it on the back end. And you're right. like They're going to probably ride with love because GMs don't like to backtrack when they make picks like that, even if he's bad. It's a tough thing to do. Packers are going to have Trubisky on this roster at some point in the near future. <laughs> and then not only will he have lost the ability to laugh at the Bears because they traded up for a quarterback and the Packers had not, then he's going to be on this roster, and then they'll we'll, we'll doubly not be able to laugh at them anymore. The, the worst part of the whole draft is I can't make fun of the Bears. Uh, they they didn't even have a good draft. It wasn't as disastrous as last year, but like they didn't need Cole Komet. They already had nine tight ends on the roster that <laughs> to to use that as their first pick. And tight ends also aren't good right away usually. So, um, but I can't make fun of them because they had a better draft than the Packers did. And they had some good sec- good second. We still have two years. It's hard. <laughs> you can make fun of them still for two more years before the Jordan Love thing really comes to roost. You, you have time. I suppose that's true. Okay. 
Um, that's fine. We got, uh, we got questions. We got questions. We can do a few. Um, let's see. Oh, um, so I guess one last my my last final take on on the draft as a whole. In my opinion, there was two different ways the draft could have gone, and this went in a third way. <laughs> so I think which is which is where I'm at. So the 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 two different ways I thought the Packers were going to approach the draft. Way number one, they believed in their record. They believed they were a thirteen and three team, and they yeah. were going to take the the couple two three pieces that they thought would take them over the edge. That's one, and that's the way that the media thought that they were going to go. That's the way that all the talking heads on ESPN thought they were going to go. Way number two, Brian Gutekunst is not an idiot. Knows that they're actually a nine and seven team that yep. played way over their heads and was going to draft to fill their gaping holes. That's what I that thought didn't, they'd do. They didn't do that. And <laughs> that didn't happen either. And so the fact that we're on a third version of the draft that none of us saw coming is probably why it hurts so much. Yep. If I, that makes sense. I, I think that's true. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll take a few questions and uh, we'll, we'll get out of here because I think we've done the draft. Today. We didn't really analyze any of the players in it except to say they were overdrafted and probably bad, but... Oh, uh, John Runyon. John, I know we all liked. We, can, we all we like John Runyon. Quickly mention that the John Runyon pick is probably a pretty good pick. He he looks like a pretty good prospect. I I will say this. I get a little. I I think I've kind of hit an exhaustion point with drafts over the years, where <laughs> you know you get to you, everyone the draft grades and the the instant reaction and this and even though we know intellectually that we can't truly judge any draft until two or three years have gone by. You still feel it in your heart. Like when guys who are projected sixth rounders are getting taken the sixth, second round, third round, you're like, what the hell is my team doing? doing? So I I am a little bit like, I'm probably not as vitriolic about it just because I, I really have surrendered to let's just not care that hard, but it is so confusing. (laughs) It is so confusing. And I just want to be in that happy, like, well, that could work out and that could work out. But even if it does, it still feels like they, they could have, like like we've said before, you could have gotten A.J. Dillon in the fourth round, presumably. I mean, obviously we don't know that for sure, but they could have just done it differently and gotten yep. more and what they already got. So that's the part that I'm that's still struggling with. That's the part that I think you can criticize right away. It, it was almost certainly the case or something close to it. So um, just ah, hate that so much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so. Let's start with uh, Mark Putscarby, um, who had t- two quick ones. Um, who gets credit for the success of last season? Uh, Lafleur, Gudikins, Rogers, or someone else? And do that one first. Um, and uh, I, th- I think a lot of it was kind of luck. So it was luck. Um, I think luck gets a lot of the credit. Um, here's the thing: like, even though he retired, he, he was did. fabulous. It's Andrew, <laughs> yes. I, you know, it, it's good against because he brought yes. in all those defensive players. Um, and mm-hmm. while the defense wasn't stellar, it was better than the previous year. The reason it's not LaFleur is the offense was almost exactly the same. And on yards per play, it was worse. So um, not him. And Rodgers was kind of averagey, so not him either. I give it to Goody. Yeah, yeah what are you gonna I do? agree. But I think this one's better. So who's the one player in a previous draft you loved or hated and were completely wrong on? And... I can go first on this one because we've already mentioned him. Um, I really liked Brian Brom. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought he was, was going to be really good. Um, it, at the time, the best statistical projections for first and second round picks were completion percentage and games started in college. Um, and he was phenomenal in both of them, but it was also about the same time that there was a revolution in college football 
um, that really made the passing game a lot easier and getting a guy to have a high completion percentage became a lot easier. His was artificially inflated by scheme, by checking down, and, you know, the rest is history. He sucked. So um, learned my lesson on him, and I'm more careful about that now, but I thought Brian Brown was actually a very good pick. I'm probably the wrong person to answer this question because I'm just dumb. I, I don't I don't follow this to the level you guys do, but I remember thinking it would be so great to get Jarrell Worthy in the first round. Oh yeah. And they, they didn't take him. And then Jarrell Worthy was available in the second round and then they got him. And I thought, oh my God, yep. this is the best draft ever. I think is that Dayton Jones or Nick Perry? One of them is is the first round guy that year. I think it's uh, Perry. Uh, well, D- Perry and Jones were both first round picks. So yeah, I but I don't remember who was who. Yeah. One um, of them is taken in the first round. Jarrell Worthy goes in the second round that Perry, year. But I could be wrong. Whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter because it didn't work out. None of it worked out. It was all a disaster. On the other hand, I remember not thinking this or feeling this, but uh, there was a lot. There were a lot of people down on Greg Jennings and and mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson yeah. as guys like you took who these receivers in the second round. They those guys are not projected there. You took a converted safety from Kansas. What is right. wrong with you? But the time right it, and, and yeah. Western Illinois. Like what? What is happening here? <laughs> By the time so I took Nelson, I was all in on just trusting their receiver picks no matter what. But Jen- sure. Jennings, I definitely was skeptical of, I remember. So to to um, make it more modern, I very, very specifically remember hating the Kenny Clark pick. Mm. Because the Packers, in my opinion, needed a zero tech, and Malcolm Brown was right there. Oh, yeah. And they, right. took, they took Kenny Clark instead, and Malcolm Brown fell to the Patriots. And I was like, he's going to be an all-pro with the Patriots, and this is bullshit, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I was I was completely wrong about hating Kenny Clark. He's probably the best player on the defense, and yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've been wrong about more than that. Just draft draft scouting's hard. That's why I'm like, love might be good. I could totally be wrong. Just a bunch <laughs> of stuff I don't like. All right. Will well, Kenny Clark be the best player on the team in 2020? Uh, yes. Yes, I think so. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're all in agreement yep. that Aaron Rodgers. I love, I love, I still love David Bakhtiari or Aaron Rodgers for that matter, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's Kenny Clark. Zedaria is possibly too, but I think it's Kenny Clark. True. What if it's Savage? Yeah, that be. would be very good for the Green Bay <laughs> yeah. Packers. Like, like what if, what if suddenly our, our ultra freak athlete safety really cranks up that extra level and we got Ed Reed back there. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, honestly. I think he's a really good prospect and I think with your experience under his belt, he might improve a lot. Like that's one of the things I'm actually counting on happening. I'm, I'm worried about their cor- <laughs> worried about their cornerbacks because Tremont Williams is probably not gonna be on the team anymore and Jair is pretty much gonna be alone with a bunch of guys who aren't that good. So mm-hmm. so you got you got Jair, you got not TJ Watt yep. and you got Chandon Chandon Sullivan. Sullivan. <laughs> All right. Oh, so like, let's anyway. like, yeah, a couple more and we can we can get out of here. Um, so uh, it, I, I'm happy to answer this one if nobody else has this prepared because I had time to prepare it. But um, if you could go back and redraft for the Packers among the players who were on the board at their original draft spots, who would you pick? Pittman. Uh, <laughs> That's the only one that matters. I don't care. Pick yeah. Pittman. Uh, I, I agree. I would do Pittman um, or I'd probably go Pittman over Higgins, but close enough. Patrick Queen was still on the board, too, and they made that pick, um, who mm. I like a lot. Um New England got him, right? Yeah, New England got him. And then um, when they picked A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson went like five picks later, who I like. Oh, Jesus. Right? Like, um, just, so, just so you guys, if you don't follow my writing, fine. Um, when I made wide receiver OPS, Antonio Gibson played hybrid wide receiver um, running back in college. And it's just a weird, crazy freak. And he showed up so high on wide receiver OPS. And when I went and watched his tape. He's a garbage route runner. He only runs running back <laughs> routes. He, he's... 
I, I see why he's going to be running back at the next level. As soon as you watch tape, you see that. But when he gets the ball, he is just gone. He mauls people. He is very, very fast. He's one of the best athletes in the class among receivers. Like his raz among receivers was like nine six five. In running backs, I'm pretty sure he's a ten. So um, him, Josh Jones was still on the board there. Um, Bond was still on the board there. They could have taken him. And then um, for Deguara, like um, David Gaither, um, am I stealing Matt's now? Did you edit my thing? <laughs> what? Um, for for after Josiah Deguara. Um, uh, oh no, I didn't edit any. All right, sorry. Um, oh, Tyler Johnson. So I like that he went way later. He went. He's Minnesota's best receiver. Um, he's secretly really good, and uh, he that would have been an overreach for him. But if he needed a receiver, he was the last good one on the board. So that's what I would have mm. done. Um, let's see. Um, well, th- like you said, they could have uh, losing that fourth round pick really. That's the other you know fourth thing. round pick isn't much, but it inhibits what they can do later, like trade up or trade down with yeah. that third round pick. Yeah. They, they really could not trade up, so um, it, they were really stuck in their positions after that. That fourth rounder was the only ammo they had because nobody cares about fifth round picks, so you can't just you know move up willy nilly at that point. Just just killed them. Um, ho- <laughs> hopefully, loves a monster. Uh, let's see, we already answered that one. Oh, there's a good one from uh, JD Igniter Kid. Um, a realistic expectation for uh, Equiminia St. Brown next year. Um, I think he's pretty much an unknown. Um, I, I do like him. I've always liked him better as a prospect than uh, Valdez Scantling, who I always saw as just a, a straight-out sprinter and not much else. He's a better route runner. Um, he would have been Notre Dame's best receiver this year, and... Uh, it, I mean, he's such an unknown. You can't count on him. That's the problem with all of these Packer development ideas is they're all late-round guys. Um, none of them have really performed that well so far. He's probably as good a bet as any. He's very similar to Lazard, frankly. So Lazard took a good step forward last year when given a chance. Um, if he turns into a nice three, I think that would be, um, you know, not within uh, – that's possible. That's completely possible. But it's still possible part- he flames out. Part of me still believes in the ability of MVS. I mean, he can't. He he couldn't catch the ball, but I feel like, I feel like he could. He could not have the drops for a year, you know. And and then all that speed and that deep threat is is a value. Like if ESB is 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 actually a capable receiver, you could make an argument for this receiving core not being all that bad, which I think is key. You know, you had Devin Funchess, who I know isn't like a world beater or anything, but since you're not going to get an impact talent still imported into the team you could be comfortable with this receiving core but that leads me to another question do you think they're done adding guys who are going to be you know 16 game players for them in some capacity because they still need some pieces like they could use another lineman another linebacker things like that and there are guys out there there are i'm my biggest guess would be that they would add a, a defensive lineman. Um, like Snacks Harrison. Like uh, Snacks would be a perfect fit, especially for what they want to do. And he's out there and, and free. They really have a bunch of misfits up there outside of Clark. Like I like Dean Lowry, but he's a specialist. They have a bunch of specialists they count on mm-hmm. to play every down. And they could have used one more like versatile guy there so they didn't have to sub all the time. Sub packages killed them last year getting caught out there with the wrong personnel. Um, so I would not be surprised if they go heavy on adding guys there. And you can find guys there. Like, Snack stops the run, and, you know, people only care about that so much until they get gashed by the 49ers in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, that's probably where they'll, they'll they'll really concentrate. But I don't – other than that, it's it's pretty tough. Um, I, I, one guy I would keep an eye on is Taylor Gabriel. Um, and the Bears caught him for salary cap reasons. He's a good slot receiver. Um, yeah. He used to play for Atlanta. 
but I, who, I don't know what they're doing anymore. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like they've got plenty of guys who can play slot. I mean, may, maybe not plenty. You know, you can always use more playmakers. But yeah, I, I don't know. Irvin will probably get some time there too. They they like to put everybody mm-hmm. in the slot. It's where they were going to play Sternberger a lot this year, um, allegedly. Ah. Uh, Good times. Sternberger and, might. I mean, he's probably a guy they ha- they're relying on to take a serious leap forward, right? Definitely. And, and that's like I certainly wouldn't bail on counting on him yet. Tight ends are almost never good year one, and almost always improve a lot year two. He's a good prospect. Uh, I don't mind them relying on him as their number one guy. I'm glad they didn't bring Graham back, and I'm glad they didn't spend a high pick on a tight end like the Bears did. Um, that part's fine. <laughs> And it's it's also okay to count on him as the slot guy running uh, in Lafleur's offense. That is what you do. Um, they're, they're strong enough there. Uh, it, that's just another reason why they, the lack of concentration out wide is just kind of baffling. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, I, I think they have a decent piece there. He's not Kittle, but I think he'll be all right. I like some of these other questions we had that are maybe requiring a little less work. Like Jerry Eldred, is anything, anything Archon deep sigh. Uh, Tim Braun asks why with, with several a, question and quote exclamation points. Those Very are, nice. Those are in tarot bangs. Oh, one, one of my favorite pieces of punctuation. Tarot bangs. You yes. betcha. And then, uh, why is Degura the top TE in the draft class? That's uh, uh, from, from Buku blue from Brad. Yeah. From Brad. Uh, he's uh he's not um he's, he's not he's a fullback in H back um so uh, they could have gotten him many rounds later nobody uses that anymore it's very old fashioned um you know what they kind of remind me of this year is the last few years of the Lovey Smith Bears when they were kind of the only team running the cover two defense and mm-hmm. they needed weird cover two guys to run it they would make all kinds of crazy defensive picks to fit into their scheme that nobody else wanted. Now, they actually worked out for them a fair amount of the time, um, but they also could have gotten those guys later, just like the Packers could have, and they suffered on offense for it by not getting good people on the other side of the ball. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a dark time. It's, it's best, tough to look ahead here because the Packers, Packers are not perceivably better, and... Uh, Maybe we all, I think everybody knew that they weren't 13 and three, or at least we thought everyone knew that. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but it is, it's tough to look ahead and see. Even if if they're changing their offense, that's probably a two, two year plan, even if it works. It probably. Uh, if, if they're, uh, you know, if, I don't know. You don't want to think that they're just giving up on 2020 either. I don't think they think that either. It's just, uh, it's hard to see where they're going to massively improve here. Yep. It really is. Uh, one of the, just to to put a, a cap on this in terms of if they want to go that route scheme fit wise, um, what the Shanahan offense does and what LaFleur's offense tried to do in Tennessee is run power and then spring guys open for play action down the field with the 49ers. That's Kittle a lot of the time, but it's really fast wide receivers a lot of the time too. And the Packers don't have that. Um, MVS is fast. Yes, but he's not reliable and everybody else is kind of slow. Even Adams, like he's not a burner. He's, he's good, but he's not a burner. Funches is slow. Lazard is slow. Kumaro is also slow. Equinemius, he's kind of fast, but he's not your typical straight line burner. So they don't have that guy to go out and get the ball to, to really hit play action home either. It's, it's a very incomplete project that they've embarked on here. So, um, I don't know. Maybe the season will get canceled and they'll fill out the rest of the blanks. But uh, <laughs> when your best case scenario involves the season getting canceled and a better draft later, it's not great. 
Uh, <laughs> what are you gonna Who's do? Who's do you know enough about the free agency class? The next one about if there is a tight end remotely in Kittle's conversation, or not a tight end, but a receiver like that that might be attractive for the Packers. Mm, I don't off the top of my head, and I actually feel like a couple of those guys, tight end wise, especially were in this last class, like Hunter Henry. Yeah. Which, Mm-hmm. They kept, so there's nothing to be done about that. Um, and Austin Hooper was taught he's not that good, though. There's not really that many good tight ends out there right now, to be honest. Right. Um, right. So you really do have to grab them from college and develop them. Maybe uh, they think Sternberger is going to be really special. Like maybe that's where they're headed here. I mean, if if that's the case, and it turns out to be true, more power to him. Um, and uh, like he only has to be average to really contribute. But um, to be the 49ers, you really need that kittle. Maybe he is that. You know. His testing's not as good, but yeah, you never know. It's hard to tell sometimes. All right. Well, we can we can call this a day. Um, Matt had to run and take care of some personal business, but um, you can, of course, follow him at Call Me Matub on Twitter and uh, see all his various memes at Acme Packing Company. It's been slow except for the draft because nothing's happened, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still working. Um, JR, any plugs? I, I know you have a couple because I've been reading you. So. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been trying to stay busy and having some fun. Uh, again, you can find everything I write at jsonline.com. We've, I've been doing a series looking back at the 50 greatest Wisconsin sporting moments in the past 50 years, doing full-fledged features on all of those moments. Obviously, there's some big Packers, uh, Packers moments involved. We did do a whole episode of Reporting It's Eligible looking at the 2013 regular season finale against the bears. Yep. I will spoil it for you and tell you that it's definitely on the list. It has not run yet. <laughs> uh, the first half have already run. We've worked to, I think uh, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, I think number 25 ran today. Uh, so 24 would be on Wednesday and that's, that's not it yet. That's not the Packers game in question, <laughs> but, right. uh, but that one is coming and there are plenty of other Packers moments in the top. So having a lot of fun with that. going to try to uh, flesh out that list on the back end when I'm done with it. Maybe uh, maybe do like a next ten and maybe a one one list that kind of goes to a hundred, you know, just to not <laughs> not individual stories for all a hundred, but uh, but something like Dimensions. that. It's a great yeah. series. I've read uh, I've read every one of them as we all really. Yeah, I appreciate every that. That's one. nice uh, of you. I, I I really appreciated the Dan Jansen one in particular. Um, I actually yeah. I really liked the, the first one, the Cole Wiki one. I thought was really well done, uh, and you really got into a good amount of depth there for a story that's really old and I think hard to research at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's helpful having access to the journals and the Sentinel archives. Like that's, that's just true. that's where the vast majority of my info comes from, particularly for those events that happen sort of before my yeah. my interest or or my you know my knowledge of Wisconsin sports. Um, but uh, but all of them are fun. I do like going back before my time. I mean, early '90s, late '80s is kind of there's that's just a cutoff. So I remember Dan Jansen, but I don't remember all of it. So. That was cool writing about him as well. You being a a speed skating aficionado, yep. that uh, that's kind of uh, kind of in your wheelhouse. <laughs> so and, and also we're keeping up with the Brewers podcast uh, every week. I, I'm talking to Dale Swaim this week, so that episode will be live probably by the time you're hearing this. And had some interviews with Raleigh Fingers and uh, Jerry Hairston from the 2011 team. And um, oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm forgetting one of the interviews I did. I, I, don't, I can't even. <laughs> I think I think that's actually it. Tom right. Hodgeport and I did an 87 episode. So right, we're having cool. some fun looking back at some old Brewer stuff. You can you can find that on Apple Podcasts or at JS Online. Cool. Matt, step back in. Do you have anything to plug other than your Twitter? Uh, yes, homework for the week. Oh, oh, uh, that that note was intended to be read on the podcast. Okay, what's the yes? Did, I'm sorry. Did you say why I was gone? I did not. I no, said you were gone. 
for personal oh, reasons, personal reasons. So right now the my, listeners my, are making up all kinds of horrifying yeah, scenarios right. for you. Yes. My, my daughter is very particular about how she's put down to sleep. And apparently when my wife tries to put her down, she does not like it. Mm. So I had to go up and she was fighting her for the last half an hour. Mm. I went up, I put her down in like two minutes. So Jeez. little dad brag go. there, little dad. Brag. <laughs> it's, Don't it's, it loud, is man. pure. <laughs> it's, it's, it ain't dad bragging. It's just, it's pure habit. My daughter is a creature of habit. <laughs> Very much like her mother, ironically. Yeah. All right, homework. So, uh, homework for the week. Uh, today in the Acme Packing Company Slack chat, we were at the bargaining stage of how terrible the draft was, and we were coming <laughs> up with our, our best plays out of 22 personnel. That's two <laughs> running backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. And one wide receiver. So, your homework is drop a play chart using 22 personnel, two two running backs, two tight ends, one wide receiver in any fashion you can drop the weirdest play or the best play or the whatever most fun and send it to me. My idea was a uh, shotgun uh, split back play action where one back runs a wheel, the wide receiver runs a slant, and the tight ends run mesh. All right, I can sort of picture that. It's the the play, the play art is in the general chat of APC chat if you want to see it, Paul. Uh, this is the nerdiest. I mean, the APC is nerdy, but that <laughs> shit is the nerdiest. Um, like so, uh, you're, spe- you're speaking Spanish to me, first of all. The- Second of all, the only play I could picture is one where both Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers are on the field. And uh, and third of all, man, that is that is a conversation right there. Holy smokes! So uh, also, uh, Peter Bukowski said that he would like to see RPOs come into the fray they probably will so um, he'll probably get his wish and so i oh, i posted some pl- posted some play art of some rpos what that that was i copy and pasted I, it yeah i know i just didn't expect it to show up that's all <laughs> <laughs> so are you understanding what i was saying there yeah, JR? I, yeah i understand what you're saying so, you said words that were english in nature the, but um, like what one of the running backs i know what a wheel route is that's my my play is designed around having Tyler Irvin as as one of the running backs. Got it. That makes more sense. Otherwise, there's a lot <laughs> too many people in one space. You, you get, you're gonna have yeah. So S W stands for swerving. You're gonna have swerving and your tight end in the same spot, and you're gonna uh, it's it's fine. <laughs> no, you're not gonna have swerving and tight end in the same spot because swerving is going to be in motion during the play action All right, and the tight ends are now on are on block a, and release a play that nobody can see so anyway. <laughs> right. sorry i'm too i'm two very strong beers at this point. all right so uh, that's your homework so i want i want everyone to come up with a 22 personnel play and at me on twitter please mm. all right and before, i ain't gonna do that yeah i probably won't either um <laughs> maybe I will. We'll see. props to anyone who does yep. you i respect you you have more football more knowledge than you. i do and more football passion. I'm just going to be honest with you. More football passion. All right. And before I get out of here, um, I was uh, on I'm on the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast as well. I was on the last one last week. We did a draft of uh, Brewers uh, historically by position. My team was much better than everybody else's because I got both <laughs> Molitor and Yount. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. That's a criminal. Somebody took Lucroy in the first round. Um, and uh, I, I forget who it was. I think it was James, but who cares? That's just, no, it wasn't. It was Do you Brad. get positional versatility? Can you, can you play Yount in center or at short? Yes, you can. I did declare. Uh, I played him at short. So my center oh, fielder's well, Kane. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey. I, yeah. Um, I, I have a great end. And field. remember, kids, 
all shortstops are second base, but not all second base is a shortstop. That's true. Um, anyway, well, on that, um, I was on the Acme Packing Company um, live coverage of the draft last week. Um, I might, <laughs> might post some snippets of that at some point with Texas permission. I also might burn it. Um, and uh, we've been doing... <laughs> We've been doing live commentaries for a couple things over the course of the year so far. We've done the movie Major League with the tailgate guys. We've done the uh, aforementioned Packer game with uh, our group here and APC. And we'll probably do a couple more of those as uh, as this continues on. So keep an eye out for that as well. I got a suggestion. Another Packer-Bear game. The yeah. NFC Championship in 20... Uh, well, 2011. But after yeah. the 2010 season, like mm-hmm. that game had some elements to it. That was kind of a... Yeah. That was a crazy... I mean, the Aaron Rodgers tackle alone of Brian Erlocker oh, oh, that is, is a, worth that's a good segment. moment. Is, is that the one where Cutler left for a little bit? Yeah, yes, he got cut. hurt. He didn't play at the end. Caleb Haney throws the Yeah, it was right. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a good suggestion. I kind of like that one. Yeah. Um, so Sam Dom, Shields with some big plays in uh, that game. Rookie Sam Shields. But Dom Capers, knowing that the uh, quarterback is not going to be able to read his own blitz, just uh, yeah. Dom was smart. He was a good defensive coordinator. He really was. He was. Yeah. He Dropping was. a three twenty-seven <laughs> guy back to spy and just right there. Oh yep. god, beautiful. A beautiful thing. It, it is beautiful. Also, by the way, if BJ Raji was only three twenty-seven, then I'm one fifty. <laughs> You know what? Maybe it was 372. I think I inverted a couple numbers be, there. That sounds more possible. Sounds <laughs> I don't think reality. he was 372. I do not believe that. What, do you, think he, what do you actually think he was then? 350? I was I, I would say he was he was not a pound under 355. All right. Fair enough. He's a big man. He's a large man. That. Um all right. But well, nothing more beautiful than seeing somebody with the football weighing that much yep. holding it way, out, celebrating. Yeah, the other homework. If you if you have made it this far, if you have suggestions for a game that you'd like to do a commentary on, drop me a line. Leave it leave it in my my comments because I am I'm vetting them before we do them just to make sure that there are enough exciting moments to talk about throughout. Um uh, Favre versus the Bengals ninety one. I was at that game. 90, oh. You you were at Favre's first game? Uh, oh sorry, different Bengals game. The um, the Bengals comeback for like the Majkowski ankle game. I was not at the Sunjay Beach game. No, I was at uh, okay. I was at the, like, the the next Bengals game after that. So. But I think that I think that the the Majkowski ankle Bengals comeback that would be a great great game to watch. Are you calling him Majkowski like ironically, ironically or? <laughs> I've I've called him Majkowski my entire life. Got it. Okay. It, I know I know it's Makowski, but like I had the Magic Man poster as a kid. I had that it's too. <laughs> All right. You know, you have a, a little bit of a complicated last name, so you have the privilege and the right to say other people's last names goofily. I think you've probably Fair had enough, enough abuse. Uh, I, I once got uh, Matanovich. There's not even a V, no v in my... <laughs> not, not even there. It's so funny because if you had asked me right now, I swear to God, I swear to you, I would have said <laughs> Matt Matanovich. I swear to God, that's what I thought it was. I thought that was it. No V. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. My my boss calls me Matonic. So. <laughs> you can call me Matub. That's like a DJ. Uh, yeah, so Matub works. So much more sense. All right. Oh, man. I really thought I was Matub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good. Oh, wow. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yep. time, uh, time to get out of here. All right. Talk to everybody later.
Now how'd you try to make yourself believe?